And then, وَالْيَتَامَى And the orphans. الْيَتَامَى is a plural of يَتِيم يَتَمِيم And يَتِيم يُتَم literally means infirad, individual to be alone. And يَتِيم is someone who is alone. How is he alone? That يَتِيم is a child whose father has passed away. Yatim is who? A child whose father has passed away and the father passed away before the child reached the age of puberty. Before the child reached the age of puberty. Why is he called Yatim? Because he doesn't have a father figure to protect him, to take care of him, to look after his needs, to take him out, to show him things, to teach him things. He doesn't have that father figure in his life. And it happens sometimes that the father is not there, but the uncle is there, the older brothers are there, but can they replace the father? Can they? They cannot. But remember that when the child reaches the age of puberty, or if the person is past the age of puberty, and then the father passes away, then that child is not considered yatim. Okay? But that doesn't mean that you don't show any compassion to them, you don't care for them. No, you do. But yatim in particular is who? A young, a little child. So, waliyatama and the orphans. So, looking after them as well. Walmasakin and the needy. Now, this is the month of Ramadan again, and there are many orphans all around the world. Many orphans, and there are many Islamic organizations that you will find these days through whom you can actually sponsor an orphan. You can do that. So find out some way through which you can sponsor an orphan. And we think that it has to be a lot of money. It's not a lot of money. Haven't you heard about dollar a day deals, right? All you have to spend is just a dollar a day. And honestly, we spend that much money. You know, sometimes I look in the cafeteria, Alhamdulillah, so many people are buying food from there. And one piece of pizza is more than a dollar, right? Sometimes a drink is more than a dollar. So if we can afford to have that as a luxury item on a daily basis then we can also afford to help a child who is desperate, who is in need, who needs education, who needs basic health care, who needs clothes to wear. So this is something that we have to do. And you know sometimes orphans, their needs are taken care of. Let's say they're living in an orphanage, their needs are taken care of. But what do they need? What do they really want? Huh? Care, love, Friendship, someone to just come and talk to them. I remember when I was in Pakistan, during our course, in fact, when we were studying the Qur'an, a friend of mine, she found an orphanage. And we decided we were going to go there. So we took permission from them and they said, okay, yes, you can come. And they also allowed us to bring some gifts for the kids and we asked what the ages were. So anyway, we went and they liked the gifts, they enjoyed them, but more than anything... They liked the fact that we were there talking to them, playing with them, having fun with them. This is what they enjoyed more. I still remember their faces, how excited they were, how happy they were. Little children, all ages, all sizes. That they see an outsider. They see a new person. You know, think about it. If you had no social life, no social life, you don't have an aunt whose house you could go to, you didn't go to the mall just for fun with your parents. You didn't just go for a walk outside. How would your life be? How would your life be? It would be very difficult. These are the kinds of lives that many orphans live in orphanages. 
So what they need is some company, some friendship. So, وَآتَ الْمَالَ عَلَىٰ حُبِّهِ He spends of his wealth even on the orphans. وَالْمَسَاكِينَ And the needy ones. Masakin is a plural of miskin. Seen kafnoon. And miskin is a person who is needy. Basically, sakana is to become still. And miskin is a person who is not as mobile because of his poverty. If there is a child whose father may be alive, but that father, is he left the child, he left the family. So is that child also considered a yatim? Technically, not a yatim. Why? Because the father is alive. Okay? It is the father's responsibility to take care of the child. Technically, it is. Alright? However, because that father figure is missing from that child's life, they still need compassion and care. They still need somebody who can come once in a while and give them a gift. You know, my son, he's only three years old and he loves lollipops. Okay? These days it says love. Okay. So uh, he, he really wants to have lollipops and I keep telling him when your dad comes home, then he will give it to you. So he waits for his father to come home from work so that he can get a lollipop. And then now we've moved on to only once a week, Fridays, because every day is not a good idea. So he waits for Friday so that he can get his lollipop. Now it's only a lollipop. How much does it cost? Not much. But the fact that the father is giving a lollipop to the child, it's a different feeling. I mean, he's getting his food, he's getting his nutrition from the food that he's getting. I mean, all his basic needs are fulfilled. But there's, it's a different feeling when somebody just gives you a lollipop. And especially your father. It's a different feeling altogether. So a child from whose life the father is missing, he needs that kind of love and attention. And for that, we need to spend money. Sometimes it's very little, but we have to do that. Giving them gifts randomly. You don't have to wait for an occasion. People think, oh, okay, when it's Eid, then I will give something. You don't have to wait for an occasion. Do your parents always wait for an occasion to give you something? No. So likewise, we have to do the same thing. So wal masakin. Miskin is the one who is poor, who is needy. And he's called miskin because he has become, you can say, immobile because of his poverty. It doesn't mean that miskin is a person who is extremely poor. But miskin is a person who is limited in his abilities, in what he can do. Why? Because his hands are tied up. He doesn't have finances that allow him to live comfortably, to move about comfortably. So wal masakin. In a hadith we learn that the Messenger of Allah wasallam he said, a miskin is not the one who goes around begging from people, and who can be turned away with a morsel or two. Meaning, a person who begs other people, may I have something, may I have something, and a person gives him, you know, a little bit of bread, a little bit of food, you know, a few cents here, a few pennies here, whatever. This is not a miskeen. The Prophet ﷺ said, a true miskeen is he who does not find enough to suffice him. He does not have enough to fulfill his needs. A person might say, well, I need an iPhone and I can't afford that. So do I become a miskeen? No. Miskeen is who? Who does not have enough to fulfill his needs. And there's a difference between needs and wants and luxuries and desires. There's a difference between that. But these days, honestly, everything is mixed up. You don't know what is a necessity and you don't know what is a desire. So for example, if there's a person, they have to have a phone because of their work, let's say. 
And they need the job, obviously, to fulfill their needs. But if they sign a contract for a cell phone, for instance, they have to pay a certain amount of money. Isn't that so? And they have to pay a certain amount of money every single month. And they can't find any cheaper plan than that. But they can't even afford to pay all of that. If they pay that, then they don't have enough to eat. They don't have enough to pay their rent. You understand what I mean? So they're literally hand to mouth. Literally things are very tight for them. So miskeen has to be recognized. You don't wait for the miskeen to come to you to ask you. No. Use your common sense. Think about it. That this person doesn't have a job. They have to have a phone. Where are they paying for it from? How can they? Or this person has a very basic job. They don't make a lot of money and they're paying the rent as well. So how can they buy clothes? How can they buy winter boots? How can they afford this or that? So use your mind. Think about it. Be proactive. Take the initiative. It doesn't mean you go asking other people, so do you need something? Do you think I can help you with something? No. You don't embarrass people like that. But you use your common sense and you think about it. What do you think they could need? And these days, alhamdulillah, there's so many ways through which you can actually help a person. In a nice way, without even letting them feel bad about it. A simple thing that you can do is buy them a gift card. Honestly. Buy them a gas card. $50 gas card. Whatever that you can afford. If you know that somebody's tight on their budget and their finances, you can do these little things. And you have to think about it from before. You have to manage your finances a little. And you can actually help other people in this way. You know, sometimes I'm amazed. Little children are going around house to house selling chocolates to make money, to raise money for whatever in their school. They're doing that, right? For a good cause. So we can also do such things to help other people. So masakin and the needy. وَبْنَ sabil and the traveler. But if you look at the word, ibn, son, as-sabil, the way. Son of the way. Sabil is path, road, seen by lamb, and even means son. In the Arabic language, if a person does something a lot, or if a person is identified with something, okay, if a person is identified with something, then they are called Abu of whatever, or Ibn of whatever. Abu meaning father, and Ibn meaning son. So for example, Abu Hurairah, radiyallahu anhu. You know what Hurairah means? Hir, cat, Hurairah. Little cat, kitten. So, Abu Hurairah, father of kittens? I mean, it's kind of strange. So why was he called Abu Hurairah? Because he would carry kittens in his sleeves. Like he would have them. He liked kittens. Okay? So, this is why he was called Abu Hurairah. Alright? Likewise, Ibn sabil son of the way, meaning a person who is on the way, a person who is traveling. Okay? A person who is traveling, he is on the road, he is on the go, so he becomes Ibn sabil And we know that today even, people are given names, family names, according to the work that they have, according to the profession they have, according to the kind of business that they have. It's very common. 
Okay? So people are given such names related to what they do, what their profession is. Alright? So, وَبْنِ السَّبِيلِ And the traveler. Suspending on the traveler as well. But what if the traveler is well off? I mean, they have a lot of money. They have a lot of money. And still you're supposed to spend on them? Yes. Because a traveler could be a millionaire in his home. But when he is traveling, and if he is thirsty, or if he just wants a bed to lie down on, or he just wants to be at home, he's sick and tired of being at hotels. You know, he wants to get away from that sterile feeling, you know, of clean, clean hotel rooms. He just wants to be in a house, at home. He wants to wake up to warm breakfast. You know, so who is he? A traveler, right? So if you're spending on them while they're in your house, this is what? Part of bir, part of righteousness. This is true righteousness. I remember recently, my husband's friend, he was in town for some work and he was at a hotel. He had a, at a very good hotel. He was staying over there and he was begging us, can I please come over to your house? And I'm like, I can't. I'll have to wear my hijab and it'll be so inconvenient. And I have kids as well. How am I going to do it? But we had him over because he wanted to come over. He just wanted to have home food, basic food. And he just wanted to be have that home feeling. So that's all he wanted. So this is all that sometimes a traveler needs. Likewise, there could be a traveler who's very well off, but he lost his money. Okay, He missed a flight. And he does have money, but immediately such accommodations cannot be made. I mean, you could say, well, he should rent a car, and then he can go about and do whatever he wants to. But you give him a ride because he's traveling. You take him from place to place because he's traveling. You're spending out of your money in order to host him. Then Ibn Sabil is also a guest, someone who's living at your house. And Ibn Sabil. If you're traveling with other people, you're a traveler, but other people are also travelers, right? So spending on other people who are traveling with you. وَبْنَ السَّبِيلِ Spending on the traveler. وَالسَّائِلِينَ And those who ask. السَّائِلِينَ is the plural of سَائِل. Who is سَائِل? One who does سُؤَال سين hamzalam Question meaning سَائِلِينَ The beggars, those who ask. Meaning those who ask others for their needs to be fulfilled. Some people don't ask. The miskeen we learned earlier, he doesn't ask others. But sa'il, he goes and asks. Sometimes it happens that if a person asks you for something, you got offended. You're like, I'm not going to give them. Why are they asking? I'm only going to give to those people who don't ask, who are decent about it. And if somebody is asking me, I'm not going to help them. I'm not going to give them. I'm not going to support them. But what do we learn? That bid is not just one type of good deed, helping only those people whom you want to help, whom you feel like helping. No. Helping anyone who is in need, whether his need is making him ask of you or not ask of you. So wasailin also spend on them. And remember that a person can ask in two ways. First of all, through lisan maqal, through his words, verbally, that Literally, you're sitting in your car, a person comes, knocks at your window, and says, may I please have some change for lunch. They're asking you through lisan maqal. Okay? And so you spend on them. 
you give them something. The other is that a person asks you through lisan hal, through the state that they're in. Meaning their state shows that they need something. Their state shows that they need something. Okay? So for example, if you see, let's say at iftar time, you're in a masjid. Okay? It wasn't iftar day, but you just happened to be there at maghrib time, you ate your dates, you had your water, and you're done. You are on your way out, but you see that there's a person who is sitting alone, all by themselves, and they're still sitting over there, you're going to wonder, why are they here? Did they come for iftar perhaps, and they found that there was no iftar? Maybe they're hungry? They need to eat? So they didn't ask you, is there any food? Is there any cafeteria here? Is there any kitchen here? Are there any iftar arrangements? They didn't ask for anything. They're sitting there quietly, looking. You can tell by their eyes, they need something. So respond to them. Help them in the way that you can. Likewise, sometimes it happens that you go to a place, you're familiar with it, for example, this masjid, this institute, and you see another person who is walking in for the first time, you're seeing them for the first time, and they're looking, okay, where could the masjid be? And you can tell that they're looking for something. So don't ignore. Don't ignore their looks. Go and ask them, may I help you with something, sister? Is there anybody you're looking for? Can I get you something? So go and respond to the needs of people when you see that they are in need. وَالسَّائِلِينَ And those who ask. So if you are sitting in your car and there is a person who comes, knocks at your window and they're asking you for money. And you can tell by the clothes that they're wearing or by you know, the way that they're, that they're carrying themselves that perhaps you know, there's something fishy. Perhaps they you know, do drugs or something like that. So what do you do in, in that situation? First of all, remember that such a person you cannot yell at, you cannot scold them, you cannot be harsh with them, you cannot be rude with them. So you can't say anything offensive to them. That go get yourself a job. You know, why are you asking me? Didn't you get money from so and so before? I know you're not taking this money for lunch, I know you want it for your drugs. No, don't do that. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَمَّا السَّائِلَ فَلَا تَنْهَرُ As for the petitioner, the one who's asking you, don't scold him, don't be harsh with him. Because there has to be something that got them to that situation. Right? Recently I found out about a person who is an engineer by profession, and very well established, lived in this country, they studied, they had their master's degree, everything. And now they're asking their family, friends, May I please have some money? I've been living in shelters. And he's saying, I lost my job, my, you know, my wife did something and God knows what, so he's divorced, wife and children are away, he doesn't know where they are, I don't have a job anymore, I'm literally living in a shelter. And everybody was like, okay, what do we do? Why is he in a shelter? What happened? I mean, someone with a master's degree is living in a shelter on the streets? There, something is not right. Something is not adding up. How could this happen? So they tried figuring out what was happening and what they're thinking, the family thought that perhaps this is a drug issue now. But if he's asking for money, I need food. I need clothes. I need this. I need that. What do you do? You yell at him? You say, don't call us? Fix your life yourself? If you yell at them, you know what's going to happen? They're not going to ask you again. 
Or they're going to ask you again with another story, with another made-up story. Or perhaps they're going to end up stealing. Because one bad deed leads to another, right? One crime leads to another. Or it could lead them to committing suicide, literally killing themselves. In the hadith we learned that unsur akhaka, waliman aw mazluman. Help your brother, whether he is the unjust or the one to whom injustice is being done. So even when they're doing something wrong, you are supposed to help them. So as a friend, as a relative, whoever you are to them, do whatever you can. But it doesn't mean that you give them money so that they can buy their drugs. But you talk to them, you befriend them, you ask them what's happening in your life. You take them in confidence so that they're able to tell you, they're able to seek help, and you can guide them then. But if you start yelling at them, they're not going to come back to you again. But this random person on the street, again, give them the benefit of the doubt. Something must have happened that brought them into this situation. So if you're not comfortable giving money, always have food with yourself that you can give to such people when you're passing by such places. It could be a can of pop. It could be a water bottle that is sealed. It could be a packet of chips. It could be a chocolate bar. Whatever that you can keep in your car, keep it always, especially if you drive by such places regularly. So that when such people come, you can actually give them something. If they're asking you, you know, I need food, I need this, I need that. So you tell them, okay, come with me, let me buy it for you. I remember once I went to a restaurant, there was a person begging outside that said, please may I have some money so I can get some food. And we said, okay, come along with us and we'll buy you food. And he said, no, no, I just want the money. So then the truth came out. So so we said, no, we can get you food if you want, but not that. It was quite obvious then. So you don't be harsh with them, you help them in the way that you can. And the thing is that at the end of the day, if you give sadaqah to a person, whatever they do with it, you're not responsible for it. You're not responsible for it. In a hadith, we learn in fact, there was a man who once said, I'm going to give secret charity. Meaning I'm not going to tell anybody about it. I'm going to give it in private. So he went down in the night and he gave sadaqah to the man that he saw. The next day, people were talking about it. That you know what, last night, somebody gave charity to a thief. And that man's wondering, oh my God, I gave charity to a thief? Okay, so he went out the next night, he said, my sadaqah is not accepted. So he went and he started looking for people. So he found a woman and he gave sadaqah to her. The next day, people were like, you know what, somebody gave charity to a prostitute. And he's like, la ilaha illallah, what do I do? And the next time, again, he went to give charity to somebody. And he found a man, he gave money to him. And next day people were saying, somebody gave charity to a rich person. So he's like, what's happening? So he went and asked somebody and he was told that you never know. Your sadaqah to that thief may have prevented him from stealing. Your sadaqah to that prostitute may have prevented her from doing something wrong. Your sadaqah to the rich man may have encouraged him to spend as well. So remember, when you spend on somebody, whatever they do with it, it's their business. You get reward for your charity, for what you gave. So was sa'ilin. Suhila, the sandwich story, can you share? 
Assalamu alaikum. Um, I just wanted to share an idea that some of my friends have started this year, actually. We realize that a lot of us are home during the days for this Ramadan, and maybe you're in the same situation, so you can do the same thing. Because um, it's summertime, right? Yeah, because it's summer, so you're off school, you're off, uh, some people have vacation for Ramadan, etc. So, etc. Anyway, so we're home during the day, so we decided that we're going to spend some time during the day making sandwiches or making some kind of food that we can package. So there's like sandwiches, and then we'll put some fruit in, a juice box, like a full meal, basically. And we'll package everything, and then we got our husbands to go in the evening and drive around downtown, and just any homeless person they see just hand out one bag per person. Yes. And so that's what we're going to do for the whole month of Ramadan, inshallah. And if, you, if you're if you free during the day, maybe that's something that you can try, or if yes. you want to do it outside of Ramadan too, that's great. So yeah. That's just one idea. Yes. So we can come up with these ideas. You know, many times we have these... Clothes that are just floating around our house and one bag to the other, one room to the other, basement and you know, so on and so forth. We don't know what to do with this kind of stuff. Gather that together, call up your family, your friends, if you have any things that are in good condition and take them to such places and leave them for free. People will come and take and whatever they don't take, you give it away somewhere else. And you can literally go buy some fruit, apples, if you think that they might not be comfortable with taking your sandwiches. Get apples, get oranges, get peaches, get grapes, get cherries, whatever you can. And just give that as food. So, وَالسَّائِلِينَ Spend on those who ask. riqab, And also in the riqab. Riqab is the plural of raqabah. And raqabah from the root letters raqabah. Raqabah is neck. And riqab, necks. Riqab, necks. Firriqab means in the cause of freeing the next. Meaning in the cause of freeing human lives. People who are trapped, people who are enslaved, and they need to pay, they need to give something in order to buy their freedom. So spending on them so that they can buy their freedom. We know that before there was slavery, and in Islam, there were different ways that were adopted, such as, for example, if a person had to give kafara, he did something wrong, he had to pay some fine. One of the options was buy a slave and free him, free a human life. Right? Likewise, we see that slaves could also buy their freedom. For example, a slave could make an agreement with the master, I want to buy my freedom, tell me what I can do. So the master says, okay, you have to work for me for this many years, and you have to make this much money for me, and then you are free. Like for example, Salman al-Farisi. You know about his story? Right? He also bought his freedom. So, if there is a person who is in the process of buying his freedom, help him financially. riqab. Now these days, you don't find such slaves. So what do you do? There could be a person whose life is literally, you can say, enslaved because of whatever reason, and they need money to free themselves. It could be debt. It could be debt. It could be, for example, there is a prisoner. Okay, They have to pay some money, let's say as bail, in order to be free for some time until their case is continued, whatever it is. So you're basically striving to free a human life. Okay? So even that is of the same value. وَفِي الرِّقَابِ وَأَقَامَ الصَّلَاةَ And he established the salah. Because 
Sometimes it happens. People think all righteousness is just in helping other people, helping mankind, helping the poor and needy, doing social welfare work. Very important, very necessary. But it doesn't mean that you begin to neglect your prayers. Because you can't be a truly righteous person until you give the right of people and you also give the right of Allah, the one who created you. So, aqama salah and he established the prayer. وَآتَ الزَّكَاةِ And he gave the zakah. Salah and zakah, both are important. وَالْمُوفُونَ بِعَهْدِهِمْ إِذَا عَاهَدُوا Mufun is the plural of mufin. From the root letters, وَفَا Wafa to complete, to fulfill something. Mufi is one who completes, one who fulfills. So mufun, those who fulfill, what do they fulfill? بِعَهْدِهِمْ Their ahd. Their covenant, their commitments, their promises. إِذَا عَهَدُوا Whenever they make a covenant. عَيْنْ هَدَالْ Whenever they make a covenant, whenever they make a promise, what do they do? They fulfill it. Because piety is not just about rituals. Righteousness is not just about rituals. Righteousness is not just about being charitable. But righteousness also means that a person is honest. That others are not hurt because of him. Others do not suffer because of him. And how is that done? That if a person has made a commitment, then he fulfills it. You know when a person makes an appointment and he doesn't show up for it? Do people suffer? Do people suffer? Yes. Another person could have made an appointment at that time, right? Then the doctor's time was wasted. The person working at the front desk, their time was wasted. So people suffer because of us when we don't fulfill our promises. And something very small, if there is a particular date by which we have to, let's say, submit our assignment. It's a promise, right? That we're taking this course and we will do whatever we are told. So if there is a particular date by which we have to submit the assignment, if we don't do it, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Do you know about the consequences? What are the consequences? The group in charge is going to be wondering, where is the assignment? Where is the student? And they're going to be calling you. And they're going to be asking you. And you'll be avoiding them. Right? So imagine how much time the in charge is going to spend after you, so that you can submit the assignment. You can get your work done. And that time could have been spent in helping you do something else. So وَالْمُوفُونَ بِعَهْدِهِمْ إِذَا عَاهَدُوا And the ahd, the covenants, the promises that we make are of two types. One with Allah and one with the people. So with Allah, whether it is the ahd alast or any other promise that we make with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, sometimes people make a promise, Oh Allah, you give me this and I will spend this much money in your way. You give me this and I will pray these many rak'ah. You know, you give me this and I will recite the Qur'an these many times. And as soon as we have it, we forget about the promise that we made. So, وَالْمُوفُونَ بِعَهْدِهِمْ إِذَا عَاهَدُوا And with the people, this is in general. No matter who that person is, whether Muslim or non-Muslim, because we think that if we have made a promise with the Muslim, we have to fulfill it. Non-Muslim, don't worry about it. Have to worry about it. Because, إِنَّ الْعَهْدَ كَانَ مَسْؤُولًا Indeed, the ahd, the covenant, the promise that you're making, you'll be asked about it. You'll be questioned about it. So, وَالْمُوفُونَ بِعَهْدِهِمْ إِذَا عَاهَدُوا And people, this includes organizations, this includes your workplace, this includes a business, this includes anything, anyone with whom you make a covenant. 
So for example, you're downloading a software and it says, I agree. You have to put a check mark on it. You have to click it. I agree and I accept all the terms and conditions. And then after that, you make a copy of it and you give it to your friend for free. That's not right. That's breaking the covenant. Right? So, وَالْمُوفُونَ بِعَهْدِهِمْ إِذَا عَهَدُوا In a hadith, we learn that لا إيمان لمن لا أمانة له ولا دين لمن لا عهد له The one who does not fulfill his promises, he doesn't have any deen. Meaning his deen, his claims of being religious are all false. And those who are patient in times of poverty and hardship. Sabirin, plural of sabir. Sabr, patience, sadbara. What does sabr mean? What does sabr mean? To control yourself. When you want to yell, when you want to say something nasty, when you want to say something to make the other person be quiet, sabr, control yourself. Hold yourself back. And sometimes, literally it is as though a volcano is erupting inside of you. You know, flames of fire are burning inside of you. And you want to say something, you want to do something. But what does sabr mean? What does sabr mean? That you control it. You resist the temptation. وَالصَّابِرِينَ فِي الْبَأْسَاءِ وَالضَّرَّاءِ What do we think? Piety is that if I pray my salah perfectly. Piety, if I have my hands up here and not down there. If I have memorized the Qur'an, I'm very righteous. But that's not all that righteousness is about. Righteousness also means that you're patient at times of hardship. When you want to react negatively. Ba'sa from the root letters, Ba'hamzaseen and Ba'sa is used for extreme poverty. Shiddatul Fakr. Extreme poverty. Hunger. Dependence. So for example, these days, as the time comes close to iftar, so let's say 7 o'clock in the evening when you've been fasting for several hours, you tend to be irritable. Somebody tells you, can you lay the table? You're like, why should I do it? I did the dishes and you're asking me to lay the table too? I'm fasting. I'm hungry. I'm tired. In extreme hunger. Don't start yelling. Don't start arguing. Don't start telling people, I am fasting, I am fasting, so don't tell me anything to do. No. And ba'sa is also used for physical hurt, physical ailment. And it happens that when a person is hungry, then he also begins to suffer physical pain. So for example, you're hungry in your stomach, but then your head starts to hurt. And then all your pains, you know, they become so fresh. You can feel everything. You become oversensitive. So at these times, وَالصَّابِرِينَ فِي الْبَأْسَاءِ And also, وَالضَّرَّاءِ ضَرَّاءِ from the root letters, ضَرَّاءَ And ضَرَّاءَ is marad. It is illness, sickness. And ضَرَّاءَ is also loss. Mental torture, mental affliction, psychological torture. And when a person is suffering hurt mentally, psychologically, what's the difference between ba'sa and dhara? Ba'sa is physical, 
hunger or poverty or physical pain. And the ra is emotional, mental. Okay? Because with illness, okay, you're sick. But along with sickness, you're also very down. Isn't it so? You tend to become very down when you're sick. So being patient at that time as well. What does it mean by being patient at this time? When a person is mentally disturbed, psychologically disturbed, what does it mean? How can you be patient at that time? That don't say anything that Allah would dislike. Don't say anything that you would regret afterwards. And also when a person becomes sick, then he begins to leave everything that he would do normally. So for example, I have a headache. I can't you know, pray. I can't get up and do wudu. So I'm just going to sleep. Whereas you can actually do it. Many times it happens that we have a headache. If we have an exam at school, we go. Because we've paid so much money for it. If all our friends are going to the mall, we are going to go with them because we don't want to miss out on all the fun. Even though our foot is hurting, our back is hurting, we will still go because we love to do that. But it happens that when there's something good that we have to do, then our illness, our sickness becomes a license to do nothing. To have fun, to just sleep the whole day. So, وَالصَّابِرِينَ فِي الْبَأْسَاءِ وَحِينَ الْبَأْسِ And at the time of War, at the time of battle. Ba's, ba, hamza, seen. This is different from ba'sa. Okay, this is ba's. Ba's is used for calamity, for extreme hardship. And it's also used for war. It's also used for battle. And if you think about it, at the time of battle, there is a combination of physical as well as mental pain. Isn't it? You're physically hurt, but psychologically, emotionally, people get very disturbed as well. So at that time being patient, meaning that when a person is in war, in battle, then he doesn't give up, rather he remains steadfast, he remains firm, and he doesn't run away. Imagine, the time of the Prophet ﷺ, the Sahaba, they're standing, they're going for battle, the battle of Uhud. Okay? There was approximately a thousand Muslims going. And what happened? What happened then? Some of them, they said, we can't go. Abdullah ibn Ubay, with him, several people, they said, no, we're not going with you. And they went back to Medina. Was that sabr in Ba's? It wasn't sabr. It was impatience because they gave up. And they began spreading that weakness amongst others. So, وَالصَّابِرِينَ فِي وَحِينَ And you see, حِينَ الْبَأْسِ At the time of battle, this signifies that in extremely hard situations, being patient at that time as well. Extremely hard situations. Can you even think of being in a battle? Can you even think of being in a place like that? You know when you read about the stories of the companions and how they went for battle, for war, one after the other, you can't even imagine being in a place like that. If somebody yells at us, we feel so scared. We don't want to look at them. Imagine somebody is coming to you with a sword. You're like, ah, I'm running away from here. So what does it signify? Extremely hard situations. 
Even at that time being patient. Situations where you feel, I cannot bear this anymore. I cannot tolerate this anymore. Where do I run to? Where do I escape? You feel as if you've hit the limit. You can't stay firm anymore. Even at that time being patient. You know, sometimes it happens to the person that he's very patient. And then eventually, as things get more tough, he says, I can't do this anymore. I cannot handle this anymore. What does this ayah teach us? That... In all situations, whether you think that you can tolerate them or you think that you cannot tolerate them, in both situations, being patient is necessary. And in the Quran, we learn لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها. Allah does not overburden a soul more than what it can bear. So, if you're going through any situation, remember that you can tolerate it; you can bear it. You are stronger than what you think. And you will see this, that there's some things that you think are so difficult, are impossible, you can never do it, and then you end up doing it yourself as well. You're like, yeah, it's not that bad. It's possible. I remember a friend of mine, she was uh, expecting, and I saw her, I'm like, oh my God, I'm never having kids. And I saw her as she was, uh, you know, going to the hospital, and I was like, oh my God. This is the most terrifying experience any girl could ever have. I'm not having kids. And I remember, I was so terrified. And then later, if somebody asks me now, I'm like, yeah, it's manageable. It's not that bad. You can survive. So we have this fear in our minds that, oh my God, this is impossible. You cannot do it. How could you ever be patient in such a situation? But the thing is, you can be. And this is the reason why Allah would put you in that situation. If you were not capable of being patient in that situation, Allah would not put you in that situation. So you can be patient. وَالصَّابِرِينَ فِي الْبَأْسَاءِ وَالضَّرَّاءِ وَحِينَ الْبَأْسِ Such people, Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ الصَّدَقُوا Those are the ones who are truthful. صَدَقُوا صِدْقْ صَدَّ What is صِدْقْ? Truthfulness. So they're truthful in what? They are truthful in their claim of faith, in their claim of iman, in their being pious, in their being truly righteous. When a person performs different types of good deeds, when a person is patient at times of hardship, when a person cares about others and he spends on them, and he doesn't just spend on whom he likes, but he spends on anyone who is in need. Whether he wants to give or he does not want to give. He prays, he gives in charity, and he also has iman. Then that is true piety. And if a person has limited himself to certain things, and he thinks that is all that religion is about, then is that truthfulness in deen? No. أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا Those are the ones who are truthful. وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُتَّقُونَ And those are the ones who truly fear Allah. They are the ones who have taqwa. They are the ones who have taqwa. Who? Those who have these characteristics. Those who do these things. Let's listen to the recitation of this verse. لَيْسَ الْبِرَّ أَن تُوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ قِبَلَ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ وَلَكِنَّ الْبِرَّ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ 
If you look at it in this verse, four types or four types of bid, four aspects of bid are mentioned. First of all, aqaid, beliefs. So what falls into that? If you look at the verse, what falls into that? In beliefs. Man amana billahi wal yawmil akhiri wal malaikati wal kitabi wal nabiyyin. Okay. After aqaid, ibadat. Acts of worship. Worship rituals. They're also mentioned in this verse. Which ones are they? Wa aqama salata then, muamalat, dealings with other people. What falls into that? Wa'atalmala ala hubbihi. Dabil qurba. Silatul rahim, right? Wal yatama, wal masakin. Then, wabna sabil. Wasailin, wafir riqab. And then, akhlaqiyat. Manners and etiquette. And what falls into that? وَالْمُوفُونَ بِعَهْدِهِمْ إِذَا عَاهَدُوا وَالصَّابِرِينَ فِي الْبَأْسَاءِ وَالضَّرَّاءِ وَحِينَ الْبَأْسِ So if you think about it, the religion of Islam is not just about having faith in your heart. Nor is it just about performing certain rituals. Nor is it just about being a good person. No, this religion is a very vast religion. It guides you in every aspect of your life. And if we want to be those who are truly righteous, who are pious, who are good people, then we have to look at all these four things. What do I do? How much do I do? Do I ignore something? Or do I do it? So these four categories, put them up somewhere in front of you so that you can see them. And you can remind yourself, okay, when it comes to salah, I do it. When it comes to zakat, okay, I don't have to do it, so I'm not obligated to do it. Okay, but when it comes to being patient, when it comes to giving, when it comes to responding to other people, when it comes to fulfilling my covenants, then where do I fall? How much do I do? Because otherwise, we won't be of those people about whom Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُتَّقُونَ Then it's just claims, then it's just words. And words don't matter anything if they're not supported by actions. 
And if you think about it, doing all of these actions, what is that? Bir. Righteousness. And when a person has bir, when a person does it, that is when he is truthful. Sidq. أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا And when a person is truthful in his claim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about such people, وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُتَّقُونَ So this is taqwa. So see, all these things are tied with each other. Nothing can be separated. Nothing can be ignored. And if you look at the way of the Prophet ﷺ, this is what we see. He wasn't just a good leader. He wasn't just a good musalli, meaning someone who prayed salah very properly. But he was also a very good friend, a very good companion. He also gave charity. He was also very helpful to other people. So we need to incorporate all of these things into our lives as well if we want to be successful. When we're learning the deen, when we're studying the religion, sometimes we get very lost into technical matters, technical things. They are important, but don't forget the action. Learn, but also implement. Because if we don't, then that knowledge is useless. So may Allah give us a tawfiq to implement all of these things, to incorporate all of these things into our lives so that we can truly be of those who are muttaqoon. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.